Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, yesterday was the one-month anniversary of the death of the four college students in Moscow, Idaho. A story that is uh, baffling, puzzling. The Moscow police, of course, are the main investigators, but the FBI is also in there. The state police in Idaho are in there. Yet, there just isn't much coming out of the investigation after a month. Is this case slowly going completely cold? We turn once again to Brian Enton, senior national correspondent with News Nation, who's been reporting from Idaho on the story. And uh, yesterday, of course, being the one-month anniversary, a lot of questions are being asked to the police about what they can tell us. Brian, yeah, welcome. People... welcome back. How are yeah. you? Thank you so much. Yeah, I think. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, what, what, uh, what's going on there? I mean, look, every, it's frustrating. We've been here for, for almost a month, um, and the families are frustrated. The people in the community are frustrated. I think people thought by now police would have come up with something, at least a suspect description or something. But, you know, not much has changed. Uh, there is a couple of new developments. Uh, there's some new surveillance video that has surfaced. You know, police are looking for a white Hyundai Elantra that they say was spotted around the scene of the murder. Uh, there's a gas station in Moscow about a mile from the murder scene um, that has video of a car that could possibly be a white Hyundai Elantra. So that has now just surfaced. So that's something new. Um, but beyond that, you know, no persons of interest. And, uh, and everybody here is just still feels like there's a murderer on the that's run. That's pretty which, weak which stuff. There is. Oh, uh, a, a video of a, of a white car that nobody really knows what it is. And they're not going to be able to figure out what it is anyway. It's blurry video, yeah. Um, so you can't know for sure. And the thing is, where that gas station is, when, we, when this video came out yesterday, we just started going to all the businesses. It's kind of one of the main drags here to see if we could find more video. We went to this vape shop right down the road, and the worker there told me that the police came into her business nine days after the murder um, to get video because she has a camera that points to the road, but her video deletes after a week. So nine, they were too late. See, yeah, yeah, nine days, and that's what I'm saying. This is it the FBI or the local police that came in there. Well, listen, the, uh, they said it was the local police, but the yeah. FBI is very, very much involved. And you've got people who are frustrated when they hear stuff like that because this was between three and four in the morning when this happened. This is a small town. How many people are on the road at that time? Um, and, and there are people questioning, you know, why haven't police gone to all the businesses along the road and gotten video? Why did it take nine days? You well, know, there's just a lot of people who are frustrated. Well, if they botched up something that basic, then it's possible that they're, they're, they have nothing and they're going to have nothing. And are they just bluffing? It's, it's possible, possible that I mean, they, they know they've already screwed this up. And now they're so fearful of the public backlash, they're just going to keep bluffing and saying, yeah, we got stuff. You just don't know what it is. And that is kind of what they're saying. I mean, look, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. And also, I mean, the FBI is here. I was just over at the police station. There's this massive FBI mobile command unit. 
at a Salt Lake City that's in the parking lot. I mean, it's not just the local police. There's a huge federal uh, response. So I hope there's more going on behind the scenes. But, you know, when you hear a story like that where they say they came in nine days after and the video has been deleted, I mean, it, it, it doesn't give you a ton of confidence. And now the college students are leaving uh, for the holidays, right? Yeah, that's another big issue. Um, so there was graduation over the weekend. They've already moved most of the classes and finals online because so many students were scared to come back. Um, and it's an issue for the investigation. Like we've talked to experts, you know, detectives want to go out and knock on doors. You want to meet with people face to face. This is now kind of like a ghost town. I mean, a lot of the people have left. So that, that's not good. Uh, what about the coroner's been speaking? We mentioned yesterday the story, Brian, I'm sure you're aware of it, of uh, some of the wounds were like huge gouges in the bodies. Yeah, and that, you know, the, it's interesting. Police are so tight-lipped. Other little details leak out either through victims' families. The coroner has given a couple of interviews. We've heard that, you know, it was, it was a brutal killing, you know, that it was a br- brutal stabbing to these victims. Um, but it's like little tidbits leak out here and there, and then you can't really get confirmation. That's kind of one of the frustrating things covering it. I don't um, see how the see. I really don't know how this helps because um, they're the coroner or some sources in the police department are telling the families, right? Well, if you're going to tell the families, right. eventually the families are going to start spilling it out to the media. So why not? Tell it yourself and go step by step how the murders were committed. And maybe there's something in there that will remind someone in that town or someone nearby, hey, I think this reminds me of my cousin, my brother. <laughs> a friend. Really? Well, I, it makes me think of when, uh, when, they, were, when they were chasing for uh, the Unabomber, right? And when they finally yeah. published the manifesto, the Unabomber's brother looked at it and said, "That's he my brother's. It. That's my brother's yeah. writing. Something yeah. like that. Something because just just the way the bodies, like uh, what is it, uh, Kay- Kaylee Gonzalez, right? That's her name. Gonzalez. Yep. Yeah. All right. According to the dad, there's deep gouge in the body. Right. It it it, it pierced her lung. It pierced her liver. That said to me, all right, this is somebody who does hunting, right?" This is somebody yeah. like originally they said this is somebody who's comfortable with blood. Maybe, you know, he works at a butcher shop. Maybe he's a hunter. It's some somebody who knows how to do this because a, a normal person who's angry and crazy just starts stabbing. Right. Boom, boom, yeah, boom, jabbing, boom, like this right. here. It was like a, a fillet job. And I'm thinking. Well, and, how, and the fact that 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 whoever did this killed all four victims, you know, you have to know where to stab. You have to be strong. There wasn't even one of them that survived. Um, and it was quick, apparently, you know, he was able to get to them all quickly and do it that quickly. Um, so you're right. I mean, there's, there's clearly some knowledge there. It's someone strong. It might be someone who was injured. That's the other thing. And they don't even want to talk about that. But, you know, it, it, we have learned that there were defensive wounds on some of the victims. So, you know, whoever did this, did they get hurt? You know, and a detail like that, like you said, if you know, you know, someone, you know, that you know who was hurt the day after and already was kind of a sketchy person. So I think right. that's so, somebody who showed up like, at work. They and let he, a little more out. Somebody showed up at work, got a bandage on his hand, right? Right. He's, he's, yeah. he's, he's oh, yeah. like bruised up and he goes, oh, no, you know, I just tripped and fell down the stairs. But that's that's when you'll get real tips coming in and not just the psychics. Brian, imagine they're using the best profilers they can find. Are they coming up with anything? Yeah. So they've got two FBI profilers here. Um, again, they're not releasing any of that information to us of what they're coming up with. What they keep telling us is that 
they feel if they release anything, it will compromise the investigation and not just an arrest, but what could happen later in court. Like they they really feel that if they release the wounds, if they release the autopsy report, if they let the profilers talk, that it's just going to end up helping the killer. Um, and then that's what the, they've, you know, that's what they've stuck with. Except they're begging the public to give them more information because they claim they're at a dead end. They don't have yeah. a suspect. They don't have a motive. So they're they're working out of extreme weakness here, which means they need help. And for the public to help, the public needs to know what they already know, what the police already know. That makes no sense. It's everything's backwards. It's a good point. Unless unless they really do know a lot behind the scenes that they're not telling us. But what they I mean, they continue to say no known suspect, no person. I, I find it hard to believe that they've got a ton of information behind the scenes. But, you know, it's possible. All right, Brian, thank you very much for coming on again. We appreciate it. Thanks. We're, we're going to keep covering it on News Nation. You know, we're in here for the long haul. And I talked to the families. I mean, I just, you know, I, I hope there's a resolution soon because not only do they lose their loved ones, college students, but now, I mean, some of them still aren't having funerals. This killer on the run has got them in this sense of agony. We're, we're in it for the long haul here at News Nation. All right, we'll talk right. with you again then. Great. Thank you, sir. All right, Brian Enton, senior national correspondent with News Nation. They are the cable channel that is covering story, as Brian has been in Moscow now for almost a month. And uh, this is really baffling and frustrating to a lot of people that follow these types of stories. More coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. I was just looking at uh, France's in the World Cup final. Haha, Poland. <laughs> uh, they defeated Morocco today in the World Cup. But there was a few stories about there were other tensions going on here because obviously France colonized Morocco. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, Described as a long and complex history between the two nations separated by the Mediterranean Sea. There were more than 780,000 people of Moroccan origin in France. And uh, a recent dispute has made it difficult for relatives in in Morocco to visit them. The president, Macron whose government introduced the visa restrictions is expected in the stands during the semifinal. But um, France signed the Treaty of Fès with Morocco's sultan in 1912, officially making Morocco a French protectorate and spending subsequent years establishing a colony there. During World War I, France conscripted some 40,000 Moroccan soldiers to fight in its colonial army. So That's good. This was like the underlying story today with the two nations. Met. Take 40,000 of the young men to, uh, to fight your stupid war. I would imagine the Moroccans yeah. would have felt really good if they had pulled the upset, but uh, they did not. So uh, France is going to play, I guess, Argentina in the championship, the World Cup. Uh, also, from the sports world, only because this has some effects on things, the UC Regents, which was making a lot of noise about blocking UCLA and USC's move to the Big Ten, uh, well, blocking UCLA's move, uh, caved today and gave their blessing to UCLA joining the Big Ten Conference, where they will be one of 16 teams. But that's going to be an incredibly powerful football conference. And uh, there's a lot of money in college football, and uh, UCLA wanted a piece of it. So uh, the school is projected to pocket $65 million to $75 million in media rights revenue, doubling what it would have made by remaining in the Pac-12 conference. Yeah. Well, those... Uh, national, the region said they just want to make sure you, you take measures to mitigate travel okay, and address 
because they have to right obviously the They're football basketball teams have to go to they the, don't care they just want to find out they, you know they want to figure out how to get a piece of this 75 million coming in oh yeah i mean i'm not so sure what they could have done anyway nothing you know. can do no i mean it, it, this is this is the way the world is now you have these incredibly lucrative national football networks for college football and uh how, how could you turn down that turn down that kind of money you you know, the the there I've read a couple of stories. The the guys who ran the Pac-12 network just botched up the execution of it. <laughs> then they they got very little revenue compared to what's going on elsewhere in the country. Yeah, I like just, the way one one guy who objected to this wrote a letter to the regents. Not all money is good money. The regents should not let a handful of people sell the soul of the UCLA athletics program for TV dollars that will be spent on luxury boxes at stadiums and lavish salaries for a few. That's all this world is. College football <laughs> is, is all those about. things. I th- yeah. think people are acting like it's 1895. And who's <laughs> paying the regents' salary? Yeah. The sports programs. Exactly. The sports programs pay for everything. Yeah, because America loves its sports. But it and there's so there's so much money sitting there. People are willing to watch endlessly these uh, these college football networks, and then it finances so much at the school, and and you know they're renting players. I mean, so many of the college football players are criminals, uh, and they don't care. They don't care if these guys end up in prison after after they're they're done, as long as they can help them win for you know, three or four years. The other question is, what does this do to the Pac-12? Because uh, losing these two schools, wow, that puts a big dent in the program and what they're going to try to do to reorganize. Uh, Particularly hurt Mm. is UCLA sister school, Cal Berkeley. Considered a rival, but most people consider USC to be the prime rival. Well, they kind of, well, they blew it. Sometimes you, those are the consequences. They they blew uh, their TV network. and They did. They made some really bad moves, the... uh, Pac-12 uh, commissioner and the whole organization so, there. They so, didn't do very well in uh, selling the product. and So now they're going to be more of a small-time conference. What are you going to do? Yeah, when you, and when you read this story, while it's about the athletics program, you can tell it's just really all about the football programs. Because well, while UCLA has a powerful basketball program, this is really about the football program. So. Well, because that brings in the revenue. I, yeah. I, mean, I mean, you know, these... Uh, if, if if you can bring in seventy, eighty thousand people a game, and if your game, if your team's nationally ranked and it gets real rating points, that brings in millions of dollars of ad revenue. Yeah, that you know you 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 live or die by your ad revenue. And what they're trying to do with this massive Big Ten conference, which is now sixteen teams, is compete with the all powerful SEC. Mm-hmm. Which has got always got the Alabama school, Georgia schools like that, which always tend to win the yeah, national yeah. championships. They want a powerful conference to compete with that one. So we'll really be down to just two major football conferences. But yeah, well, yeah, they, you know, they're 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 really professionals. This is like the the junior professional league. I, I always thought. Oh all, yeah, they all, are. Yes. You know, they're they're not scholars. They're not going there for college education. They're being rented for a few years to provide programming for these networks. And I, I, I'm always amazed how the alumni gets so uh, emotionally involved with all these rented players that are bought off the streets, <laughs> right? Because these, these alumni, it's not their sons playing. It's not like when in high school your son is playing on the team. These are complete strangers from across the country. A lot of them have no business being in college. They're not going to class. 
they're taking all kinds of bribes on the side. They're getting goosed and juiced along the way. Everyone knows it's a big racket. It's a yeah, big it's stamp. just a pretend thing, right? But it's like, oh yeah, USC, cool. It's I just lie. I mean, I know some of these guys. And I just laugh. I, I think it's hysterical that they're getting all wound up over these uh, rented goons that they hired to play their sports. All right. Yesterday around this time, we were talking about the breaking news that a U.S. senator by the name of Chuck Grassley was speaking out on the Senate floor against the nomination of Eric Garcetti to be the next ambassador to India. We have learned that there is no pending vote right now on that, at least from what we understand from our sources. But when we come back, John had mentioned this story from Curbed which is uh, uh, about Garcetti's promise to fix the broken sidewalks, right? He was going to be a back-to-basics mayor who's going to deal with things like this that troubled people in the city of Los Angeles. What a failure. Wow, it's outlined well in this story we'll talk about next. Johnny Ken, KFI, AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Bienvenido a Kaiser Permanente. El doctor ya te puede ver. Verá que aunque eres muy activo, ahora te cansas más rápido de lo normal. Verá que a menudo almuerzas comida rápida. Verá que pones a tu familia primero y tu salud tiende a caer en segundo o tercer lugar. Y claro que verá que tienes el azúcar alto, igual que tu papá. En Kaiser Permanente trabajamos juntos para ver todo lo que tú eres y darte el cuidado que tú mereces. Kaiser Permanente, para todo lo que tú eres. The Voice Line is returning in two days during the 5 o'clock hour like it usually does on a Friday. But this will be the last Voice Line of 2022. So leave your messages. Use the iHeartRadio app, the microphone icon. Call that toll-free number, 1-877-MOIST-86. If you haven't been on all year, this is your last chance this year. 1-877-664-7886. Well, John mentioned this the other day. In the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to take some calls. We don't do that much anymore, do we? Uh, a poll of 1,000 U.S. residents finds that 65% of drivers keep a weapon in their vehicle in case they need to defend themselves during a road rage incident. How scary is that, though? We will go through the types of weapons that people apparently are carrying, and we'll talk to you about what you're packing. Don't <laughs> give anybody the finger. Don't do that. I got the finger yesterday. Oh, that's right. You did. Yeah, I didn't give it. But I got it. I can also add to the list. What do you have? Are you uh, want to wait until next hour? You I'll wait till next hour. All right, we'll be doing this in the five o'clock hour, and the number is one eight hundred five two zero one five three four. Well, this story too we mentioned yesterday, but it's time to go through the details as we are hoping, anticipating eagerly, the demise of Eric Garcetti's political future if he does not get the ambassadorship nomination. The nomination is not approved by the U.S. Senate. We don't know what he's going to do, although one article is asking him questions about, would you run for Feinstein's seat in 2024, (laughs) U.S. Senate? Oh, I think Diane's doing a great job. No, I don't even want to talk about that. (laughs) He was was also saying that she's actually still sharp. He did say that in the CNN interview, which we laughed about, uh, this tongue bath. So this story's from Curbed.com by Alyssa Walker, a Curbed senior writer who covers city transportation and architecture since 2005. And it starts this way. About 40% of LA sidewalks are estimated to be in need of repair. On a sunny spring morning in 2017, days before he would be decisively elected to a second term, Mayor Garcetti stood on a rare, unbroken expanse of sidewalk in Sherman Oaks. For years, navigating this stretch of pavement 
connecting a block of apartment buildings to the Trader Joe's and bus stop on the corner had been grim. Before photos printed out on foam core and displayed on presentation easels showed fragmented rectangles of concrete rippling through the grass. But now it represented with its smooth, unmarred surface. The 33 miles of sidewalks that the city had repaired in just three months. Quote, when we repair our sidewalks, we improve the safety and quality of life in our communities, raise property values, and boost our sense of neighborhood pride, Garcetti said, flanked by a bunch of transportation and disability advocates. The campaign dubbed Safe Sidewalks LA was simple, easy to understand, and even easier to get behind. Well, now the story continues. Yeah. Fast forward five and a half years. He only repaired 1%. Of L.A. sidewalks. 1% of the 640,000 properties. 1%. That that have sidewalks in front of them. 1%. If you want to know what kind of mayor he's been for the city, botching the basics locally while chasing national clout, just look down, she writes. That would be look down at the ripped up sidewalk. Now, here's the backstory. Back in 2015, L.A. agreed to a nearly $1.5 billion settlement it was one of those class action lawsuits with uh, disability advocates on behalf of 280,000 L.A. residents who are mobility impaired. I guess that's the euphemism. And hmm. they, in the suit, it said the broken sidewalks and the unsafe crosswalks violated their right to move around freely under the American with Disabilities Act. A billion and a half dollars. And he promised he was going to Fix the sidewalks. And then apparently in 2016, Measure M passed. Some of that was supposed to be for pedestrian improvements. And in 2017, California's gas tax was raised. The money would be available additionally for local sidewalk repairs. So everything was uh, behind them there. Yeah. So now track this, right? Because they always use these movements, these safety movements. It's like, vote for Measure M. We'll put money into repairing sidewalks. Vote for for the new gas tax. We'll put the money into repairing sidewalks. It is 2023 almost. The sidewalks were never repaired. Garcetti could not even fix a sidewalk. Some people took to fixing their own sidewalks. They got so frustrated. They put in requests and would hear nothing. Uh, Requests were made so that the property owners could get reimbursed. And the requests would take more than a year. Half the inquiries ended up being canceled. Uh, There was no transparency about which fixes were being made. And sidewalk advocates noted there was no strategy for a long-range transportation plan. Meanwhile, Garcetti wasn't around much. During one 12-month period, he was out of town for 112 days, testing the waters for a presidential run that never materialized. But building an international profile. Testing the waters? He could have swam around the world in 112 days. That was a lot of waters he tested. 112 days? That's nearly four months. Remember that's when the Black Lives Matter people were chasing him? And he got yeah. in the car. He was going to Washington, D.C. under the guise of some conference, but he was also and, there trying to make connections. And he, he was so blatant about wanting to run for president that they started putting his name in national polls. And at most, he would get an asterisk. If he didn't get a zero, he got an asterisk. An asterisk would be less than 1%. So, like, you're there, but you're not there. 
So the city controller's office released a report in 2021. The program to repair sidewalks has been not been responsive to meet the needs of Angelinos who use our sidewalks day in and day out, said controller Ron Galperin. He said the rate of repairs had flatlined compared to the number of requests made. There was now more than 50,000 sidewalk segments in need of fixing that remained in a backlog. And they were still paying out a lot of money for, uh, for injury settlements. People hurting themselves walking on the sidewalks. $35 million over the past five years. Roughly the same amount the city has supposedly spent to repair the sidewalks. There was no priority set up over which sidewalks ought to be fixed first, which neighborhoods should be addressed first. The failure to deliver such a simple promise to his city as he traveled the world making grandiose claims on the conference circuit that his name was floated as a candidate for Joe Biden's Secretary of Transportation. That didn't work out, of course. Secretary of Transportation. He couldn't fix a sidewalk. <laughs> that went to Buttigieg. <laughs> All people wanted to do is walk. Transportation? Nobody can even walk safely in the city. There you go. That's the real legacy of Mayor Yoga Pants. Don't read all those dopey interviews he's doing with CNN and other media outlets. This is a good profile at Curb. This is yeah, this is the on real one world. particular thing. Why is why is there so much propaganda? That that woman for CNN, Maeve Reston, why is she invested in propping up the remains of his rotting pol- political career? Why do the tongue bath now? They just invest themselves in some of these. Why? Uh, the LA Times did that too for, for, for nine and a half years. Why? He's a Jewish Mexican Rhodes Scholar. <laughs> looking for all the proper. I don't know. I feel insanity right. is setting in. More coming up. John Ken KFI AM 640 live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app. Well. What are you carrying in your car just in case it gets ugly out there with a terrible road rage incident? You have to be prepared. And apparently uh, in a poll of Americans, a big percentage are prepared with some type of weapon in their vehicle. Mm. We're going to talk to you about it. You tell us your story in the five o'clock hour. The number is 1-800-520-1534. We'll go through this poll, too, because it does have a list of what people carry, uh, according to their answers. So that'll come up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, well, Deborah Mark, you know there's a hard and fast rule I have. What's that, Ken? If animals attack people or pets, they die. Oh, yeah. Now we have one that is really peculiar from the state of Alaska. An Alaskan state trooper of 13 years was killed by a musk ox. Hmm. Silence. What the hell is a musk ox? I'm going to have to Google that. Uh, They are stocky, long-haired animals with a slight shoulder hump and a very short tail. Males are about five feet tall and can weigh 600 to 800 pounds. Oh, wow. That's a big one. Even Uh, females at four feet tall can be 400 to 500 pounds. That looks like a prehistoric beast. It does. Those are big horns. It's cool looking, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So... Females I went to like a little too? zoo in Alaska, and I think I saw one of these in a cage because there was a sign. I was like, what are those things? Um, and I guess this is one <laughs> place. <laughs> it, it, uh, apparently, the males are noted for their strong odor. odor. 
Oh, is that right? <laughs> During mating season. Oh, God. <laughs> well, you gotta, why, yeah, you got to tell the ladies you're interested. <laughs> that's why they're called musk ox. Oh, because they, musk. Yeah, apparently it's a very powerful musk odor when they're ready for action. Mm. Well, this Alaska state trooper, he was a court services officer named Curtis Worland. And apparently uh, a musk ox was getting too close to his dog kennel. So we went out there to kind of try to shoo it away, and it attacked him and it killed him. <gasps> he was pronounced dead at the scene. He and his wife had a dog, uh, sled dog team at their property just outside the city limits. The animals have a track record of goring, attacking, and killing dogs because oh, so- they mistake dogs for uh, wolves, which is one of their natural predators. Oh, so this muskox wanted to kill the cops' dogs. Thinking they could be wolves and they could be dangerous. Yes. I that's see. Probably so what was going on. There was a biological impulse here. Yes. Uh, well, that's the way it goes. In fact, they did kill a dog in this man's yard. Oh, no, the poor in dog. In December of 2020. So that's why he was on alert for it possibly well, happening it, again. So he went out there to try to do something, but that wasn't a good idea. This is a well, large animal. So he well, was trying was he- to. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, he was trying to shoo the musk ox away? That's what he was trying to do, get it to leave the property, right, by okay. scaring it off. Well, just was, in case it was coming for another dog. Well, what did he do to prevent this animal from coming over in the first place? I just wandered onto his property. I don't know whether or not this is a, uh, what, where, where he lives or whether or not this is a really... Uh, you got to put up landscape. some kind of fencing big, big so fence. that... The muskox uh, can't get there. I don't think they could jump high like coyotes. Those are no, they're no. kind of fat Those little. Big. <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think they jump. <laughs> so you don't have to build a 12-foot fence. Those are big, ugly, hairy animals. They're urging people to keep their dogs on a leash to run if a, mux, a musk oxen starts charging. Oh. Pay attention to their body language. If well, they feel threatened, that's when they get aggressive and agitated. Just, just write this down. Do not try to shoo a musk ox away. Just don't don't do that. Yeah, that's um, the best story well, they, we have they, is that they, he was trying to do that. Well, they have big horns too. Yeah, you're looking at the picture of them. I know it's a pretty oh, cool looking yeah. thing. They're and they they can weigh up to 900 pounds. Yeah, how can you outrun that? I mean, I guess because it's so big, maybe it doesn't run fast. Yeah, maybe it lumbers a bit. It's not like how bears can be really fast. You can't outrun a bear, but I don't know, maybe a muskox. Oh God, I would freeze and so fright. in the native language up there. Uh, it has the name of Mathimos, Mathimostus, which translates to ugly moose and ugly bison. <laughs> yeah, they're not really a pretty animal. <laughs> uh, the locals don't think too much of these. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> I've seen people that look like that. I, uh... <laughs> Short little hairy guys. <laughs> but the girls look the same, too. <laughs> well, they do. I don't see a lot of short, hairy girls. All right. Coming up next, a poll of 1,000 residents says that 65% of them have some kind of weapon in their vehicle in case they need to defend themselves during a road rage incident. I like that word, to defend themselves. Not be on the offense, right? Yeah, nobody goes on offense. (laughs) Oh, right. Somebody does. That's how we end up with these things. Uh, We'll take your calls if you're packing in your car. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Uh, Deborah Mark live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? 
facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.